Welcome to The Police to the Beat with me, Dr. Vicky Conway. In this side series to Police in Ireland, we explore issues, news and research related to policing, exploring them in great detail, bringing you expert perspectives, as well as reflecting ultimately on what it means for those who are policed. The killing of George and Ken Show last December is something we've covered quite a bit. From our interview with Nana Nubi and Lucy Michael in December, our episode with Yari and our episode with George's friend Israel. Listeners will be aware that the first hearing of the inquest was held on Monday, with the inquest then adjourned until after the GSOC, GSOC investigation has been completed. Today we're speaking with Ruth Coppinger, politician and activist who's been supporting the family in their search for answers and accountability. Thank you so much for joining us today, Ruth. No problem. Thanks for asking me. Um, maybe we could start with um, why are you supporting the family? Well, I think I'd ask anybody to think about how it would feel you're at home over Christmas and suddenly you're plunged into a, a nightmare where outside your son who has mental health issues has been surrounded by about 13 Gardaí as far as we know and within minutes he's shot dead while you look through the window while you stand behind the door um, you know it's just it's just defies credulity that this could have happened and when I was at home that evening uh, with my own family and heard about it I was obviously shocked I knew straight away something was very very wrong that this could happen uh, I've been a public representative in Dublin West for a long time uh, I would have been a councillor for 11 years a TD for about six years and I have seen you know, very diverse community, but this is the first person of colour to be shot by Gardaí. But it's also highly unprecedented for anyone to be shot by Gardaí, to be fair. Mm. And, you know, so the fact that a young black man was shot dead, but then when the circumstances became a bit more known that this had happened on his own front door, literally, after an altercation in a shop, of course, you know, whatever happened in the shop in Hearthstown, I'm sure it was frightening. I'm sure it was for, for all anybody who was there and is extremely serious and has to be investigated. But it shouldn't have ended with somebody dying. Um, we have a situation where every day Gardaí deal with people with knives, uh, people with guns, people with you know, deadly weapons. And in fact, in Dublin West, we've had, because of so-called gangland crime, you know, crime that arises from from drug abuse and, and, and poverty, really. But we've had a lot of incidents with Gardaí um, and nobody's been killed. So then the, the following five days, I have to say, after George was killed, were absolutely horrific here in Dublin West because there was such inaccuracies there was such um you know speculation things being shared on social media it was it was a horrible situation and you know there was one incident which is continually cited by a lot of people where some young people who had been at the protest at the Garda station went you know in grief and anger to the Hearthstown shopping centre and um, it made it look quite divisive, you know, that there was that they were opposing the people inside. But I would ask people to consider uh, how you'd feel if your friend was shot dead 
you know, how you'd feel if somebody that you knew was so brutally, uh, violently killed. And not alone that, I think what it's brought up is more and more stories from young black people about their experiences in Irish society and their interactions with the Gardaí. Uh, I've certainly been more and more educated about that, about the policing, uh, about policing of minorities and of black people. And it is different to the, the general policing. It's always been the case, in my opinion, so I the Gardaí as protecting, if you like, the established order and the way things are. And I've seen how Gardaí can be used against you know, workers on strike say, such as at Debenhams, or in the past against people peacefully protesting, you know, environmental destruction and all sorts of issues. And we have seen, and I'd ask people to cast their minds not that far back, corruption at many levels in the Gardaí that still hasn't been investigated properly or fully resolved, you know, going from the commissioner right down, you know, Morris McCabe, that touched a nerve throughout Irish society. So there is something uh, with the Gardaí in their history. We, we know that. But now we have a, a relatively newer factor of their encounters with black people. And the type of thing that I'm hearing of late is of particularly young black men being routinely stopped and searched or asked questions if they're driving a car having their documentation checked out, uh, which can obviously happen to anyone, but it does seem to be happening a hell of a lot more to people who are young and black. And also th this phenomenon you hear all the time of gangs, like a group of young people isn't a gang. Yeah. And yet this this word is ascribed much more to black people. And that would that would have been the case here before George and Kancho was shot. And I think we have to also realize that there's been centuries of racist tropes that people have kind of assimilated into their psyche and we need now to have a discussion on what happens on the need for a police force that's accountable to the community and also how can we prevent something like this ever happening again and re repair some of the uh, rifts that have opened up in the local community yeah, I always ask when I'm teaching kind of policing and stop and search and things like that, I always ask my class, you know, show of hands who here has been stopped and searched and it will invariably be the young black hands that go up. And actually when they start to talk about it, like some of them, and they're only 18, 19, and they'll talk about having been stopped and searched 12 or 13 times, you know, um, it's just, it's a part of their life in a way that it's not for a lot of young white people or certainly middle-class people. Um, and but of course, we'll come back to the absence of evidence, um, perhaps in a little while. Um, in, in relation to the shooting itself, um, what are the questions and concerns that you have about it? Well, the the questions and concerns are, first of all, why did the Gardaí resort to lethal force within such a short amount of time? Why did they not bring in professional negotiator? Why did they not? allow George's family to talk to him? Uh, why, what efforts did they make to talk to him themselves? Why did they assume 
that when he was reaching towards the door, which seems to be the case from some of the footage that we've seen, he certainly had his back turned towards them, that he was somehow a danger to his own family. Um, and I think, you know, they're the key. Why? Another very important question, which has emerged when a lot of people would be aware that there is footage circulating of what happened. I just want to say something about that because obviously it's not pleasant to, to have to watch that, but it would have been widely circulated. A passerby, somebody who was out walking their dogs on the green, turned their camera, presumably when a commotion or when shooting started. And, you know, when that video is enhanced and slowed down, there, a number of things do emerge. And I think the guardie will have to answer questions. And I think that footage is very, very important because it does mean it's going to be difficult for the guardie responsible to just pass this off. Uh, I, nobody can, if they really seriously ask themselves why a young person, even if they were holding a knife in their hands, couldn't be overawed by 13 Gardaí, you know, grabbed, pushed to the ground without being killed. You know, I mean, it, it shouldn't be that difficult. Surely this is part of Gardaí training. Also, you know, people saying that he would have killed a guard. They were stab vests. You know, George had no more than a kitchen knife. Uh, if, if if he did have a kitchen knife, we, we don't fully know that. But that's the, the speculation. And I mean, Gardy should be able to deal with that situation. If the 13 or 15 Gardy, surely, without resorting to using lethal force and the use of lethal force is only meant to be you know permissible in the most exceptional of circumstances and obviously under international human rights law will be very much a last resort there's no way that within 20 minutes of 25 minutes of an altercation in a shop you have to shoot them dead and this is really serious issues for not just black people but for the whole community Gardaí can't be allowed to just do uh, whatever they like and certainly not without questions and accountability. And we do have a problem because you have a very unequal situation where if somebody's killed by you know, anyone, they, they could be a gangland crime boss or a, a long-term criminal. They get a full guard investigation, as is their right and as is correct. But if somebody's killed by the Gardaí, do they get the same? standard of investigation certainly not by the looks of it um but i do think that the pressure is on gsoc and i do think that the pressure is on the irish state and on the irish government to ensure that this is going to be properly investigated and i think you know the fact that there is footage there but also the fact that this has become something that the public and internationally also bbc have done mm. uh, programs on this too this is an international issue and it has to be investigated to the nth degree and the people responsible should face, you know, trial if that's deemed to be appropriate, which surely it must be. Um, so let's wait and see. But I think people have to keep the pressure on for that to happen. Yeah. Um, as you say, like Article two which would be the kind of european standard around your right to life is so important in this space because you know if the police are going to take lives like that's an, a really exceptional thing and um 
there are obligations under international law, not just to ensure that your life is protected and not taken when it shouldn't be, but also then to investigate that really, really properly. Um, so how are you feeling about the GSOC investigation? Uh, well, I think a lot of people will have read and I've obviously talked to the family and to the family's legal team over the last number of months. GSOC has also come out in the last few days and said that it isn't fully resourced. Mm. So, you know, h- how is a body that's not met, that's not fully resourced going to investigate something of this importance? And uh, obviously that a huge number of people have to be questioned because there was a lot of guardy there at the time. So there's huge skepticism about GSOC and its ability to investigate this. I would prefer to think there are a lot of issues here. We have to investigate the the role played by class, the role played by mental health and how the Gardaí deal with that, and the role of race in what happened that day. The, you know, this is not just the 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 type of things that GSAC normally investigate. If you look at their website, would be not things of this character, you know. And GSOC doesn't have minority representation. It's not the type of body that's equipped. And I think they've admitted that. Um, <clears throat> Tiari had a meeting with them about their survey, which I know you featured on your podcast. And uh, GSOC sort of admitted that, you know, they're not set up in terms of investigating racism. So who is going to? And there's going to have to be a discussion about the structures that are needed to be put in place um, to, to look at these issues like going forward. Um, I think <clears throat> the GSOC investigation thus far doesn't inspire confidence. The fact that they took so long to interview the Gardaí, to even interview the family itself, what sort of contemporaneous notes do they have from witnesses that day? And uh, have they gathered all of the actual evidence? There, there seem to be indications that they haven't collected all the bullet casings. So there's a huge question mark. Now, subsequent to that, I know the, the, the family did meet with GSOC last week and did get some more information than had been the case prior to this. And uh, I think that it is important that GSOC brings in outside expertise. Uh, both in in terms of all of the forensics, in piecing together what happened throughout that day, you know, throughout the whole incident. And uh, I think that there is some indication that public pressure is having an impact Mm. on GSOC being much more aware that it must investigate this properly. But I think we have to constantly monitor that. I think as well, like, GSOC is quite even like in terms of legislation, it's quite limited in what it can do in that it's, you know, it basically assesses whether any guard involved breached discipline or committed a crime, uh, which might give you that individual moment, you know, did one guard use a level of force that they shouldn't have in that moment? But like, there's a real thing for me when you talk about class, race and mental illness. Like, I think there are incredibly difficult questions to be answered about if you have a police service that is 
already racist. And we have a report from the mid 2000s that says Angarda Shikona is institutionally racist. And they encounter a black person in the midst of a mental health crisis. You know, how does that combine? Do they, does the racism take over in how they respond? Do they see this more as a danger than as a healthcare situation that needs to be responded to appropriately? And those are really hard questions to ask. Um, and I, like, I, you know, they need to be asked so broadly in so many respects, not just this case, but in, in so many incidents. Beyond GSOC, what are you hoping to see happen? Well, one of the things that I'm concerned about is getting to the truth of this, but because apart from anything else, there was so much racist bile uh, shared online and stirred up in, in this community. Um, and I, I, I feel very confident that we can prove that there was an injustice here, you know, and I think that's important because it has. We have to counter the racist narrative that was put out there. So that the, that's the first thing. But I think the other thing that we need is what what structures are going to be in place so that the communities that the Gardaí police are able to call them to account, are able to put issues to them, and get answers from the Gardaí. Like since this has happened, there's been no forum at all where the Blanchardstown Gardaí or the those higher up above them have had to answer questions about this to anybody in this area. And we know that there's been another incident uh, that the Encanto family came across since in April. Now, <clears throat> I'd ask people to consider as well who are listening that the Encanto family found themselves with another interaction with the Gardaí that were in, in a now, either that happened by pure coincidence or it happened by design. Now, if it happened by design, that would obviously be extremely serious because it would mean that the Gardaí were in some way, you know, targeting the family and trying to make them look bad, which I'm not saying was the case, by the way, but I just said if. But if it happened by coincidence, well, I'll tell you, that's actually also very worrying because it means that families can routinely end up having bad encounters with the Gardaí and that in this case it would be two really serious encounters within a few months and I've spoken to black people in the community since this happened a, a lot of mothers who are really worried about their sons in particular mm. uh, when it comes to the guards because it does seem that, that the guards would stop young men more and obviously it doesn't mean young women aren't experiencing racism they they are uh, but probably the Gardaí in particular see young black men as in some way dangerous. And th this is a really serious. So the family called for some sort of forum to be established in Blanchardstown, Blanchardstown being the most multi-ethnic, diverse, new community. Also, ironically, with three ministers for this constituency, you know, the Tanishta. With the Minister for Equality and uh, Integration, high, highly ironic. And children. Um, yeah, and children. Sorry, yes, of course, very important. And we also have uh, the Chief Whip, the person who can ensure that legislation, you know, gets put onto the, the, the floor of the doll, and also for sport and, uh, and defence. But none of these uh, representatives 
have really said anything about this issue except wait for GSOC. And it also has to be said that Sinn Féin TD hasn't either. I, I just think that this is a very dangerous situation because you're leaving a vacuum there for the far right, for the national party who are active in this area, who, you know, they've been out canvassing, they've given out leaflets, they've tried to exploit the housing crisis in this area to divide people. And by just leaving that vacuum there, obviously the Socialist Party and myself have, have spoken on it, but in general, we, we've been the only ones. And uh, I think while behind the scenes contact has been made with the family by some of those individuals, they're making sure it's just behind the scenes. And I think it's very dangerous as well to just say, wait for GSOC to report. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't just sit passively and wait for the state to report on, on the Gardaí on something as important as this. You actively raise it mm-hmm. to ensure that they are meeting all of the criteria. That's all that they've been asked to do. They haven't been asked to do anything more than that. And yet they've been reluctant to. And, you know, I do think that that's really, really poor because we, one in three people, one in four people in Dublin West was born outside Ireland. One in three people has uh, a parent from, you know, outside Ireland or through intermarriage or relationships or whatever. So, this is a real issue. People voted for, 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 for those people as well. You know, it's not just it's not just a tiny minority of people, it's actually quite a significant number of people here in this constituency, and they do deserve representation. And we I think it's bringing up as well that there's a lot of people here who don't have citizenship or who aren't registered to vote, who aren't politically organized. And the TDs see that, you know. And they they feel comfortable enough to stay silent while this is going on. So I do think that we need uh, the questions around the political representation as well. It isn't just the Gardaí. Um, leadership is needed on yeah. this issue and it hasn't been given. But I, the family raised about a forum in the area and the Gardaí and the Minister for Justice sent a letter that she's acceding to that request. So... I do think that we have to now discuss who's going to, like, how will that be structured? How often will it meet? What will it even do? Like, what do you see the point of such a forum? Well, imagine if we'd had a forum like that before this happened. You know, immediately. Well, first of all, how the Garda operate in general has to be put up to interrogation because we've seen uh, of late this thing about 999 calls and emergency calls just being ignored or they don't have the resources or whatever. Um, so like, that's a really serious issue. But meanwhile, they're able to follow two young fellas who are black in a car, mm. you know, to the Encancho's house. Like, what is going on, you know? So, but also I think that it has to be, there has to be a discussion on that forum about the findings such as was found with the ARI survey, with internal police surveys, that there is a problematic relationship here between the Gardaí and minorities, travellers, black people uh, and others. Um, And I think what that forum could do is, obviously would set up an agenda of issues to be discussed, but it has to be able to be convened quickly if a Mm -hmm. serious incident occurs. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, why is it such a radical, actually revolutionary idea that the Gardaí, who are meant to be servants of the pe- of the people, would actually be accountable to the people that they please? Why that doesn't happen? Um, we we need a real forum, not a talking shop. You know, not something that the government can take off and say, "Oh, we set that up. There it is." And we need people on us from you know the various. Uh, minorities um, and I, I don't know exactly I think there would have to be a discussion about how it would work but definitely yeah. there has to be regularity of meetings and accountability because of course I mean it's interesting you mentioned the 999 calls and the policing authority actually at its meeting in public tomorrow will be questioning the commissioner about those but that's and that's really important and it's great that it's happening but it's happening at that no, national level so in terms of how communities experience policing mm-hmm. the kind of only option we have at the moment is the joint policing committees which are, are, are generally and I've done work on this and others have they are that talking shop and they are spaces where the guards come to disseminate information and people ask questions and they may or may not get answers, you know, and there's no power. There's no capacity to change anything. There's no capacity to actually provide accountability, as you say. And I suppose a concern for me, like, yes, we need these forums and we need these spaces where there can be not just communication, but accountability interaction, but it has to be done right. Because if it's not, I mean, you mentioned the the far right vacuum, but you also have an enormous vacuum growing between the police and these communities and particularly these young people, but also those families who see how they're treated. And if it's not done right, then it makes things worse and it makes the legitimacy and the trust in the guards even lower. So it is so important that this is done transparently, you know, with a good independent chair, with clear actual powers, with commitment by the guards that they will answer the questions openly that are being asked. Yeah, Um this is obviously new territory in a way, you know. Yeah. I know there is a national forum, but I think when it comes down to an actual community level, um, and I think there are problems in, set, in setting this up for a lot of reasons, and one of the reasons being that a lot of uh, people of colour have a fear of the Gardaí, and I, I've seen that a lot in the last six months since this happened. People are afraid to attend a protest. Yeah. People are to speak to the media people are afraid to say anything negative about the Gardaí for a whole number of reasons some of it can be citizenship people waiting on naturalization yeah. which requires you to get a Garda certificate um I've, I've seen myself how some people who are you know great and very active and I, I've even seen you know people who are African whose sons and daughters are now studying law you know <laughs> and yet I'm teaching quite a few of them. <laughs> there is, yeah. And, and it's brilliant to see. But the parents uh, don't have citizenship. And yeah. they have a real fear um, of saying anything about the Gardaí and how it can um, interact with them. But I, I just think that what we need here in Blanchardstown is there should be, before anything is established, a lot of discussions need to take place. Yeah. I agree with you. This can't be something that just set up and boxes ticked, which I know the government are eager to do. I'm sure, you know, Roderick O'Gorman, Leo Varadkar, people like that who should feel pressure over this issue because um, 
you know, Leo Varadkar quite rightly celebrates his diversity, but like then the reality of what's going on, particularly in relation to black people and Africans. Um, but also this is something that Roderick O'Gorman should be responsible for, you know, have a feel a responsibility over. So they want to be seen to have this established. And I'm yeah. not being cynical here, but that's just a reality. They'd be mm-hmm. able to turn around to people and say that. But it can't be just set up on the wrong basis. And I think there has to be a lot of discussion before it is set up, um, in, including with lots of different people in the community. And it's not going to be easy, I'd imagine, to get people to, to necessarily participate in it because of that fear that, yeah. that is. But I, I also think young people have to be on it. Yeah. I think um, there's no point in having older people because actually, no, solely, I mean, it's it tends to be mainly young people who feel the wrath of the Gardaí, if you know what I mean. And um, so there has to be some young young voices on us who don't have the same fear about challenging the Gardaí. And I think the guards have to come at it from the correct mindset of acknowledging the gap that exists and the work that they have to do to earn the trust of that community um and you know we can ex- we're entitled to that that you know we don't just trust the police just because they are you know they have to earn that trust and you know they can make statements and it should say things like you know the form should be clear that any anything said in the space would not impact on future citizen applications again a topic we've covered with maho early on in the podcast um and a very real and genuine fear that people have and so there's ways i think to accommodate that but that will take time to build that trust and there has to be acknowledgement of that another thing and i was i was actually watching back over the bbc piece um in preparation for this and noting how the Department of Justice and the guards have both said there is not racial profiling um, in Ireland by the police. And this really bothers me because they have no evidence for saying that. Uh, We do not gather statistics on ethnicity um, in terms of police interactions. And this is, um, it's a real bugbear of mine because if, if it does mean the government can turn around and say, no, there's no problem, we've no evidence of a problem, then that changes how they interact. Um, is that something you're concerned about? or? Yeah, because I mean, wh- whenever this forum is established, there has to be a recognition that there's a problem. <laughs> it, surely they're not saying that they're setting it up for, for no reason. Mm. Uh, the, the RE survey, for example, um, just some of the, the highlights of it, that uh, 35% of people of colour or travellers had been uh, stopped and searched regularly and routinely, but yet only 19%, say, of white people had experienced a stop and search. So it's at least three times higher. Um, and, yeah, I think, I mean, there was lots of other statistics there. I mean, 91% had experienced racist microaggressions. But there has to be a reality that the Guardi are doing this because we, we've seen it. I mean, look at what happened to the Encanchos the second time, mm. which was, which they haven't talked about it very much because obviously for them, it was extremely difficult and humiliating and embarrassing and scary. And, uh, the you know two young fellas in a car being followed by the guards who happened to be calling into one of the uh, incentives the the young boy 
he's oh, he's 16. And, you know, there was immediate suspicion there by the Gardaí. Certainly people throughout this community in Dublin 15 who can't get an answer when you phone the guards. You know, I, I, I've been here when there's burglaries happening. Yeah. We rang the guards. I'm about five minutes from the station. And uh, they're not able to necessarily get up on time. I've been with women who had barring orders that were being breached. And there was no car to send. And... Like the guardian need to be honest as well and in, in, in and say if they have resources or not. We there was actually a huge cutback to the community policing here. Mm-hmm. So there would have been a situation where people say in Hartstown or wherever knew who the community guard was. And then they were taken off and brought into other duties. So the idea that they're able then to be doing something that doesn't seem very important. Like if somebody doesn't have documentation, it's not as important as responding to a a potential physical assault on a woman. And I think the other thing that they have to answer is this dual policing where they managed to disarm a known criminal with a shotgun in Whitechapel subsequently last month. Mm -hmm. But they didn't employ that tactic for George and Kencho. And why not? So. There's lots of questions for them to answer and they have to acknowledge that there's a problem. And that was someone actively shooting the guards as well. Um, Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, what they did there was incredible. Like, they sealed off the area. They they got the media to stay silent. Yeah. Um, They they brought in a critical incident team and they brought in a professional negotiator. Two guards were shot. Uh, the man was firing from a, a window and could have killed so many people. And yet they took this rational, rational, yeah. reasonable response and they managed to defuse the situation. So if they could do it, then it's the exact same Gardaí, you know, that are policing uh, the area. And there are also Gardaí who are mentioned a lot by young black people. So it could be the case that there's a minority of Gardaí who do have really bad attitudes to people of colour because their names come up again and again. Mm. So whatever forum is established, obviously people have, you know, HR and issues, but will there be any accountability when these names are mentioned? Yeah. Okay, thank you, Ruth, for talking through all of this. Um, there's so much to for everyone to be very mindful of in the coming weeks and months. If anyone wants to support the family at all, is there anything they can do right now? Well, the, the family have been really appreciative of, for example, USI were there on Monday and, you know, tweeted their support for them. And I think, you know, things like that really mean a lot to them because they felt very, I would say, isolated and uh because of what was shared on social media and the kind of demonizing of their son so um messages of support if people want to send i mean you can send them to me and i can pass them on Uh, i'd be really happy to do that and it will be very good that they see that there are people who know that this was wrong there has to be justice and there has to be answers Thank you so much. Um, 
Ruth, for joining us and keeping us informed on what's going on and what questions we should be asking. And thanks to you, the listeners, for listening. Um, as ever, if you enjoy the work, please do spread the word, encourage others to give it a listen. And if you can, please support by subscribing at patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack.